This here is an audio podcast from Weird Audio Productions, the home of psychedelic sci-fi and serial audio adventures. Eternal copyright, Davey Ferguson and Weird Audio Productions. A not-for-profit audio production narrowboat house. Weird Audio Productions is proud to present The Sixth Emergency Satellite Broadcast from the Future by Davy Ferguson The Universal Wave Function Paradigm, Epitome, Theorem, or Hypothesis, Whatever You and I are in space. We are in stationary orbit above the lunar surface. Below, you can see the Mare Tranquillitatis. If you continue to stare down at the Sea of Tranquility, you will see a small dot slowly rising up from the site of the Moon Drone's colony. We have time enough to watch this object rising as the dot's shape morphs lento-like into focus. At its present height, it can be determined as a five-pointed star shape, the object in a starfish configuration. And then it is upon us. We can now see the 12 o'clock appendage of the starfish vehicle has the craft's name painted in psychedelic font with rainbow colours. These two words, Spuddy One. We are now inside the massively updated and refurbished fuselage of the original space cruiser that Captain Spud stole from the three young Terry lads who had crashed their parents' spacecraft in one of Farmer O'Connor's cabbage fields outside Ballywheelie Island on a very drunken boys' night out. It is worth mentioning here that Ziggy was the designated pilot for this debauched trip away from the Terry lad's home planet. In fairness to Ziggy, being a silicon-based life form in a protective bubble, he was not used to alcoholic drinks at that particular point in his time span, unlike nowadays. Anyway, today Ziggy is in a masterful mood. He has assembled the crew of the expanded Spuddy One to give them a taste of the magical properties of the strange new spacecraft before her maiden voyage to planet Terrabilius to rescue their alien archaeologists 
known as Arky. Present are Captain Spud and his bodyguard and paramour, Slight, Lady Jane Storm, with her three 3D cameras to capture all adventures that are bound to happen on the trip. The astrophysicist Dr. Suli Sazaki and Chester P. Crimes, the private investigator. A motley crew, I know. And even worse to someone in the video industry, Lady Jane Storm has been prohibited from using her camera drones during this meeting. All five of her cameras are locked in an airlock pointing down at the moon above the Sea of Tranquility. The camera drones are capturing and relaying to Caressa Deville and all the staff inside the Lady Jane Editing and Transmission Studios video footage of a squadron of fighter spacecraft launching up and away from the evil android overlord's lunar base and about to come within attacking distance of the starfish craft. There is pandemonium within the Lady Jane ENT studios as all the employees fear they are about to witness a violent attack upon the starfish spacecraft. Even worse, Caressa Deville is unable to reach Lady Jane on any of the adventurous communication equipment to warn her of the impending doom to the spacecraft the dear lady is travelling in. Meanwhile, for the last half an hour or more, Ziggy has been talking over the heads of the rest of the crew. Ziggy, the silicon-based arachnid life form in a bubble, still believes that the carbon-based life forms known as humans are a lower order of species to his. When frustrated by their ineptitude and imbecilic manner, he calls them giggling monkey boys. That the glazed look in your eyes means that you have not fully grafted the full concept that is this unique interstellar form of transport. Nevertheless, you must have belief or even blind faith in the concept that is this starfish shaped spacecraft. Or it is not going to take us anywhere in the universe. This craft lifted itself from the lunar surface by the use of the five anti-gravity transmitters attached to the tip of each of the starfish appendages. But that is as far as they will take us. In order to travel further, we need to make use of the universal wave function paradigm. The giant synthetic brain that runs this starfish-shaped spacecraft believes wholeheartedly in the universal wave function paradigm. And why not? The alien archaeologist and I believe in the universal wave function paradigm as we built the darn spacecraft. 
So what if the synthetic starfish brain makes you dream harder when you sleep and causes you to have hallucinations of such intense incredibility? These are side effects that will fade with time as the simp brain communicates with all your minds and gets to know, understand and cherish you. This is the voice of the evil android overlord. You will cease to maneuver your spacecraft any further. You will prepare yourselves to be boarded. If your craft shows the slightest sign of aggression, my fighter squadron will blast your spacecraft to oblivion. I shall wait a very short time period for a sign of surrender. Nothing like a threat of extinction to raise the crew's ardor for life's continuance. My precious crew, this is the voice of the synth mind. Try not to panic. But, but we are about to make an emergency jump. So, breathe calmly, in and out. Do not worry about this threat. It is mere words of hatred. Words cannot hurt us. Instead, picture in your mind's eye that you are standing on top of Mount Olympus, staring up at the nighttime sky. Imagine that you are one of the twelve Olympians, watching for a sign in the sky. All the constellations are filled with strobing and throbbing light. You must aim your spiritual javelin at your most pleasing constellation and pull back your throwing arm and point skywards. Alas you appear to show no sign of subjugation. Well then you have brought death and destruction upon yourselves. All squadron craft, on the count of ten, open fire. Please dear crew members, wait for the countdown to end while you feel the strength in your throwing arm increase exponentially. Then release your spiritual javelin into the heart of the nighttime sky. And now we jump. We are now sitting in one of the rear seats of the leading fighter spacecraft. The evil android overlord is in the pilot seat and his attendant Igor is in the navigator's seat by his side. They are back slapping each other over the destruction of the starfish-shaped craft. We did it. We blasted the starship out of existence with our missiles before it could attack my fleet. Yes, your evil magnificence, we truly did that. In fact, our battlefield drone has reported that not one single atom of the enemy craft is available for analysis in that quadrant of space. You mean no debris at all? Yes, your evilness. The cleanest kill shot ever in your prestigious career. 
Just before this kill, the battlefield drone took an intense scanshot of the entire StarCraft. Every item down to the last nut and bolt has been listed. I am uploading the list to your personal screen now, sire. It was a very awesome concept for an interstellar spacecraft, out of this world really. If I may say so your evilness, that craft we destroyed, literary kicks your flagship, the powered asteroid, right where it belongs, into the Stone Age by all comparison. The starfish-shaped craft was powered by a giant synthetic brain which was grown from a vast array of brain cells donated by intellectual giants from across the known galaxy who believe in the universal wave function hypothesis. And please your evilness, do not I beg, ask me to explain the universal wave function hypothesis. That concept is astronomically way above my intelligence quotient grade, never mind my pay grade sire. However, the battlefield drone was also able to identify the five members of the crew of the alien spacecraft. It makes interesting reading my liege. The hunchback jester in green tights, Igor, hastily rolls himself into a fetal ball to weather the impending onslaught from his master. But surprisingly, all Igor hears are evil peals of laughter emanating from the evil android overlord as he reads the list. Ho ho ho, Doctor. Sulai, Suzuki, has met her and then. Ha ha. Slight the contract killer. Her and her sister bungled my contract on Captain Spud. Serves her right. Chester P. Krems. I don't know him, but with a name like that he deserves to die. And who the hell is Lady Jane Storm? She is one of Planet Earth's video stars. She streams her real-life adventures as they happen. Lady Jane is very popular. She is even a pin-up girl for our troops in the barracks on your moon base. I bet the video of her last few moments will be worth viewing, then. Oh yes, eventually the last member of the crew, the captain himself, Captain Spud, finally the long-awaited demise of that freak of nature, may his soul burn in hell. I am in fine fettle now, Igor, well worth the loss of the prize spaceship. Homeward bound, Igor. This is a cause for celebration. We are in the teletransportation chamber in Moontrose where Greta T is giving Dr. Helga von Finkel the guided tour of the ancient Elohim civilization's multi-astral transportation system. At first glance, Dr. von Finkel, this area looks like a row of giant supermarket checkout aisles. Greta T, my dear, please just call me Helga. Yes, thank you Helga. 
As I was saying about the giant supermarket checkout aisles, Aki believes that they may well be a ticket. Sorry to interrupt you Greta T. But who is Aki? Aki is my pet name for our resident alien archaeologist. Aki is the genius of a Terry Toad from Planet Terribilius. It is down to Aki that Moon Trolls is expanding its underground territory with so many new tunnels and caverns, to house the ever-increasing population. This is how this chamber and two Elohim-constructed power plants were found. Aki was burrowing down further than he had ever explored before when he came across all of these treasure trove chambers. What fantastic luck, but you were saying something about tickets? When I interrupted you. These supermarket checkout machines are really transportation ticket dispenser machines. Yes, well, after much deliberation. Aki and I have formulated a working hypothesis that this Elohim transport system could be described as very similar to old London's underground tube train network, before the flooding of old London. Obviously the Elohim version has vastly superior technology to the old London tube system. Of course a vastly grandiose distance between tube stations on interconnected planets across the galaxy where Elohim civilizations had developed. So you believe that once you have this station working again, we could be reconnected to an immense transportation system that spreads throughout the galaxy. Wow! Captain Spud has named this galactic tube station Mornington Crescent, because it was at the end of a little branch line on the old London tube network. Spuddy also said that, Mornington Crescent was the name of a game in the BBC Radio 4 comedy panel show. I'm sorry I haven't a clue, billed as the antidote to panel games. In the actual game of Mornington Crescent which has no rules by the way, the four competing comedians are all insistently pretending they know the rules, whilst traveling the underground system to Mornington Crescent to win the game, which apparently makes for much merriment and anarchic comedy. I am from German stock. Our national psyche never could quite understand the English sense of humor. However, the name Mornington Crescent evokes the sense of a new beginning or revival. I just don't understand Spuddy's sense of humor, but he makes me laugh at some of the weird things he comes out with. So if you follow me through that archway ahead, I will try and amaze you some more with the platforms, the tracks and three silent tube trains. You have Elohim tube trains? Wow, fantastic. This I have to see. As the astrophysicist is directed by Greta T down towards the platforms, who should pop up from behind one of the ticket dispenser machines but none other than Mr Archibald Voss, the criminal mastermind who now walks like a penguin, thanks to Lady Jane Storm's recent retaliatory action upon him. Since Mr Voss's last henchman, Mr Vicious, along with all the other henchmen in Mr Voss's employment, was convicted under Moontro's law for discharging a lethal weapon 
at justice facilitators in a public street tunnel. His sentence, along with the other gunman, was to be genetically altered into a tree in Moontrose's domed forest on the lunar surface, thus providing a public service of retaining carbon dioxide and expelling oxygen for a period of 10 years. So, from behind a nearby ticket dispenser machine, out steps Mr Voss's new employee, Snide, the twin sister of Spuddy's paramour, Slight. Snide is no longer physically identical to her twin, as Snide is now wearing a struck-off Dr Frankenstein stitched-up scar on the left side of her face, a non-returnable gift from Ziggy, the CPU spider, in a bubble. Well, that was very interesting, apart from all that piffle about the spider maniac naming the Elohim tube station. Mornington Crescent. The ego of the man knows no bounds. And to think that I had the Elohim key to all this in my possession for a few hours before that bloody Jane Storm woman took it from me. I know. I saw that knee-jerk moment on the Lady Jane video feed a few days ago. The ignominy of it all. My testicles are still bruised, like a couple of dabs and plums they are. So that is another name you can add to your list of people to do in, along with the Spud Maniac and your sister Slide. There will be no charge for doing in my sister, popping her in the head will be all my pleasure. All in good time my dear lady. Right now I need to know who has that damn Elohim key. Snide smiles, evilly, and pulls out her Glock pistol and checks the clip. So let's go and ask those two techno-women your burning question then. You have such a compact mind, my dear. Mr. Voss also smiles evilly as he pulls out his turbocharged taser and releases a small charge into the chamber ceiling. Let us go and see if they know the answer to my little question then. Just thought I'd let you know what you are signing up for. It was earlier stated that one of the side effects of the starfish craft's giant synth mind becoming acquainted with its crew was that each crew member would have very meaningful and lucid dreams while sleeping. The other side effect the ship's crew may suffer from is bouts of intense psychedelic hallucinations whilst conscious. A combination of both side effects happening simultaneously is very rare, but it is not an impossibility.
So who has got a new revitalized and refurbished spacecraft? And can you handle it? Little Owen, Captain Scott, the black sheep month of the family is always doomed never to deliver. That's who. Hey, I think you are a little hard on yourself. The black sheep runt of the family litter, always doomed, never to deliver. That's not true, you are perhaps a late bloomer. Yeah, perhaps a very late bloomer in Earth's harshest winter. My bite may never blossom in humanity's gardens now. It is not over yet, Spuddy. One of your buds, Moontrose, is blossoming because you found talented, willing gardeners to tend to this bud and bequeathed it to them and all refugee people who knock at the Moontrose airlock doors. But now I have to go rescue my chief gardener from death by vaporization on planet Terabilius. I am no hero. I am a coward first. And a pacifist somewhere way down the list. So unshackle yourself from the black sheep runt of the family litter. Always doomed. Never to deliver syndrome. It was never your coat to wear. So I say again. So who has got a new revitalized and refurbished spacecraft? Because this spacecraft has what you would call magical high-tech properties, gleaned from across my known universe. I have a precious new spacecraft. Me, Captain Spud, the eternal space cowboy. Thank you, guys. I believe he is finally waking up. Here, shove the steaming mug of coffee under his nostrils. I am awake, and I don't like coffee. That's fine, I'll drink it then. So, what happened? What did I miss? Did we jump? Yes, we jumped, Spuddy. But apparently it was a panic jump, rather than a smoothly navigated one. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, this, this was, was my, my fault. fault. I, I overestimated the, the capacity of the, the whole crew's minds. The Olympian imagery that I transmitted to you all was too high a definition for such untutored minds. Unfortunately, this first jump has taken us to uncharted territory. Never mind that for a moment. I have something I want to report to this crew meeting. Lady Jane, is it relevant to the fact that we are lost in space? Well the lost bit is relevant. Do you all remember that before we were all gathered to make our first jump, 
You made me leave all five of my 3D drone cameras in an airlock to stop the world knowing how exactly we maneuver this starfish craft for security's sake. Yes, well, we have the right, I believe, to have some privacy from being broadcast 24-7 on your video streaming service when the need arises. Surely that is a fair price to pay for being a crew member voyaging in space to planet Terabilius in this fantastic spacecraft to rescue our alien archaeologist? What more of an adventure could you possibly be on than this? So surely a little camera downtime when reality necessitates is a minor irritation, yes? I suggested putting the five cameras in an airlock so that your video streaming company could at least have video feeds of the Earth and the Moon from space whilst we prepared to jump as a reasonable compromise? I understand all that, but... But what? But someone or something opened the outer door on the airlock just before we jumped, and two of my cameras fell out into space. I call that sabotage. I was lucky I didn't lose all five cameras. My streaming company would be bankrupt. If I had lost all five cameras, it would mean the cancellation of this video adventure and no income from the streaming. I mean these cameras run on alien imported nanonuclear batteries, which each cost more than an arm and a leg and I'm no bloody millipede. And do I have to mention that I have already laid out half a billion euros on the Elohim necklace? which you will try and sweet-talk me into donating to Moontros when the time comes. Spuddy right now I'm in meltdown hell, and I need you all to reassure me that I am in the company of true friends, and that this mission will all end well. It is at this point Lady Jane breaks down, and her tears begin to flow. I am sorry people for my outburst. I just feel all broken inside. Captain Spud calmly walks up to the distraught Lady Jane and puts his arms around her. He whispers in her ear, You are a valued member of this crew. You are now also a citizen of Moontro's free state. The laws of Earth cannot harm you in any way. Moontro's fights for freedom on a daily basis. We fight together for every citizen's freedom. Upon our triumphant return from Terrorabilius, we will pick up your lost pair of cameras and we will reimburse you for the price of the Elohim necklace when you feel you can trust the Moontro's state with it. You are my friend. I will not let you down. Okay? Okay, Spud E. Yes, thank you. And with that, Captain Spud kisses Lady Jane on her forehead and releases her from his embrace. He then turns to face the floating white globe that represents the starfish spacecraft's mega synth mine and determinedly asks the question that he demands an honest answer to. Synth. Did you open the airlock door just before we made the panic jump that put us here? The white globe flashes through all the wavelength of light as it bounces off the walls of the cabin. Finally, it stops at head height, a foot away from Spuddy's face, 
with the globe glowing the colour of puce. Why, 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 yes, I did. Why? Because I'm in charge of this craft. I have news for you, kiddo. You are not in charge. You are only one crew member in a company of six at present, and a very junior member at that. Why, 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 yes, if you say so. I do say so. By the way, it says here in my owner's manual that you passed the embryonic stage before you left the dry dock on planet Mechazylon. In human terms, that makes you a weak old newborn baby. So we shall make an allowance for your age for now. But being the youngest of the crew, I suggest that you should have some respect for your elders, right? So consider this a virtual rap on the knuckles, okay? We are now on platform number one of the four-track Elohim interstellar transportation system. All is inert. The three tube trains are silent apart from a friendly electrical hum. The four black portal tunnels at the end of the platforms are crackling like ice in sleep mode. The automated platform vending stalls are in lockdown. The eons long wait for a resurgence of galactic passengers is keenly felt by the very foundations of this underground temple of transportation. The very rock walls radiate with expectation of a bright future of commerce. Dr. Helga and Greta T are standing on platform one by the main entrance of the leading carriage. She extends her open hand towards an indentation that has space for six digits. She places her thumb and four fingers into place. The Elohims must have two opposing thumbs, is all we can think of. Or they must have a reasonably equal number of their population, being left-handers. I never thought of that. You see Helga, you would be a very useful person to our team. I am afraid the pay package is not all that impressive, but it is standard for every employee working in Moontro's base. We all get the same wages here. But before Dr. Helga could answer Greta T's recruitment entreaty, two warning shots are fired from Snide's Glock pistol as she steps onto the platform with Mr. Voss a few steps behind, brandishing his taser. What the fuck, Snide? I told you I wanted to question the two ladies. Not start a lead-hurling gunfight. You trigger happy tunnel urchin. Do you not know the penalty here on Moondros for discharging a firearm? It is 10 years as a tree in the dome forest breathing in carbon dioxide. 
you stupid dongle brain. And with that chastisement, Mr. Voss adds a touch of maliciousness and discharges his taser at Snide. I, 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 I fucking booed your fists. Ouch. By now, both Greta T and Dr. Helga are ensconced in the first carriage with all doors locked. Greta T is using her wrist communicator to summon assistance, whilst Dr. Helga is sticking her tongue out at Mr. Voss, which makes him livid with frustration as he discharges his taser at her. The carriage door window absorbs the high-voltage charge. Until his evil weapon is totally depleted of electrical energy. Mr. Voss is utterly flummoxed, but he can now hear the sirens of a squadron of justice facilitators' electric scooters off in the distance, but swiftly approaching. Finally, Mr. Voss realises it is time to cut his losses and skedaddle. So with one final disdainful look at the prone form of Snide, still twitching spasmodically on the platform floor, he turns and desultory leaves the scene with the swaying walk of a penguin, slowly mounts the stairs to the ticket dispenser machine cavern and away from yet another failed mission. All the crew are in the synth mind control room. They are sitting in plush, comfortable seats around the circumference of the giant synth mind containment chamber. The starfish-shaped craft has just jumped into a new quadrant of space, hopefully close to the planet Terrabilius. If I may be allowed to comment, I think that was a near-perfect jump at least comfort-wise for my mind and body. I agree. All comfort, and no stress, or horrific hallucinations. The perfect combination. Speak for yourself. I am a tad perplexed as to why you all have developed a second head on your shoulders. Chester's hands tentatively move to check as to whether or not he also is blessed with two heads. No, just the one. It is just you freaky folk. Chester, old man, I think you may be suffering from a mild hallucinogenic side effect. Drink some concentrated orange juice and our extra heads will soon disappear. Slight unstraps herself and gets up from her plush seat to walk round the circumference to the liquid dispenser. What a good idea, Spud E. Concentrated orange juice all round just as a precaution then. Slide please. 
a couple of shots of bourbon in mine. Thank you. Vodka shots in my orange juice, please, slight. And for you, Chester. Jack Daniels, please, slight. Just for medicinal purposes, of course. Now look here. I suggested orange juice for Chester because it is a good source of vitamin C, which will help dissipate somewhat his mild hallucinogenic sufferings. We are not on a booze cruise to Terribilius. A shot or two of solar flare in your vitamin C juice, buddy, as I am also having a double. Oh, hell's teeth. Yes, all right, thank you, Slight. May I speak now? Moon copy ten. I have good news for you. Some good news would be welcome right now, so yes, please. I have been doing some sums some arithmetic, and my infantile mind estimates that we are only a stone's throw away from our destination, planet Terribilius. Well done, Cynthia. Now you are becoming a team player. One copy ten. May I suggest that we ghost along to Terribilius, using the anti-gravity transmitters to push us along rather than showing off to the Terries that your spacecraft is capable of jumping through the cosmos via the universal wave function paradigm. For security's sake, I estimate that the cruise will take approximately less than 24 hours, ship's time. Again, well done Cynthia. You have cottoned on to our earlier little talk. Well. You really are becoming a team player. Uh, one copy then please could you ask Slight if I could have a double shot of solar flare, but leave out the ascorbic acid please. Why not Cynthia, you have certainly earned it. Thank you Moon copy then and thank you for giving me a proper name. I would like to be Cynthia, the name pleases me so. The name Cynthia was originally an epithet for the Greek goddess Artemis, who was born on Mount Sinus. Splendid. Oh, and by the way, I have captured a high-definition, high-magnification 3D picture of the planet Terribilius. It is such a magnificent planet indeed. Dr. Sully Sasakis. Mind will boggle at that planet's structure and its complex gravity fields in harmony when she studies it up close. Terribilius's gravity fields even startle my infantile mind somewhat. What so startles Cynthia, the starship's synthetic mind, so much about planet Terribilius? Have the crew of the starfish craft got a drinks problem? Will the evil android overlord ever realise what a prize has slipped through his greedy, grasping fingers? These questions and many more... 
Worldwide News Incorporated. On the hour. On the nanosecond. We interrupt this program to bring you one of our occasional spotlights on the personalities involved in the independent arts and media scene. Yes, this week we are turning our multicolored spotlight on the pod star William Hume, who plays Captain Spud in the riveting psychedelic and surreal sci-fi audio adventure podcast The Emergency Satellite Broadcasts from the Future. Worldwide News is extremely lucky to have an exclusive live interview with the actor who plays Captain Spud, a.k.a. Spuddy. Hi there, space hippie groovers. I am broadcasting from my newly acquired and revamped spacecraft, Spuddy One, as Lady Jane Storm is still having technical trouble with her video streaming equipment. Spuddy One is in high orbit above a very strangely shaped planet called Terrabilius. Tomorrow, we will visit planet Terrabilius to rescue our alien archaeologists from being sentenced to death by vaporization. Few out of this world, Spuddy, that sounds like you really are in the thick of things once more. Is there anything that your Earthbound listening fans can do to help your cause? Yes, indeedy weedy, my dear lady. I want to appeal to our faithful listeners to become social media missionaries. Let me explain. The synth brain of our starfish spacecraft needs many more crew members to help power her use of the universal wave function paradigm. So please don't buy me a cup of coffee or fund me money as Weird Audio Productions is a not-for-profit audio production house. Instead, become a social media missionary and convert as many audio podcast listeners with your super social skills to the universal wave function paradigm of the podcast, the emergency satellite broadcast from the future, or... Our starfish spacecraft may struggle and blink out of existence, and my crew and I along with it all. A chilling thought, no doubt, about it. So please become a crew member of the new, improved Spuddy One. Enlist now at your local podcast platform. Spuddy, wake up and stop all this dreaming, please. It is frightening me so. Frightening me so. Spuddy... Wake up and stop all this dreaming, please. It is frightening me so. Frightening me so. Spuddy, wake up and stop all this dreaming, please. It is frightening me so. Frightening me so. Weird Audio Productions. Helping to keep the world safe.